Welcome back to another episode of Surviving Creativity. It's the show all about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and hopefully surviving the process. Surviving Creativity is made possible by patrons, patrons like you. If you like what you hear on this show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity, and please consider becoming a patron and helping support our show. Last week on the episode, we discussed Comixology being purchased by Amazon, and though we went into great detail on a lot of things, one of our patrons, Andrew, pointed out that we didn't cover Windows Mobile. He says, Corey, I'm curious if you have any insight as to what's up with Comixology on Windows 8. I do my comic reading on a Surface tablet. Yeah, we're a small market, and no one seems to be paying any attention to the Windows 8 marketplace, but I've never used Comixology on iOS or Android before, and I was rather shocked this week to hear about how crappy the apps were over there. For a year now, I've been able to purchase my comics using a shopping cart in-app purchasing system that syncs with Comixology's website. Also, there's a buy new user interface button. And post-deal, nothing has changed. Is this because Microsoft isn't taking a slice? Is it just that the app is newer? What's up? All these complaints and issues with the iOS Android apps came out of the blue for me. Well, Andrew, uh, honestly, we didn't cover it because none of us use a Windows phone. You are, in fact, a small marketplace. But we did a little bit of digging, and here's what we've come up with. Though we're not privy to the direct deal that Comixology has with Windows, the Windows Store does take a 30% fee. Very typical, but also negotiable for payment processing. However, much like the Android market, Windows does allow its publishers to implement their own payment gateways. Here's a quote directly from the Microsoft Dev Center. You are free to manage your customer transactions directly using your own third-party services for in-app purchases and subscriptions, or to use services provided by the Windows Store. So it appears that Comixology has always been able to use their own payment processing in Windows, uh, which is how it differs from Apple. Comixology's choice to use Google processing on the pre-Amazon deal, that's anybody's guess. It's possible that uh, Google Wallet was just the simplest and easiest way to implement. It's also possible that uh, Comixology has been working with Microsoft and has a deal on the Windows system. Based on this quote from the Dev Center, it's totally possible that Comixology this whole time has been using some third-party, non-Windows, non-Comixology-based payment gateway. Who knows? But I'll tell you one thing's for certain. Comixology uh, may have switched their apps over, but since that episode, they've been having a heck of a time with their PR, and from what we've been hearing, the apps are not functioning as intended. This is definitely a topic we're going to have to visit in the future. But first, this week, we're talking a little bit about the press. Scott was a little annoyed last week at a press event of ours, so Brad and I asked him to expound a little bit on his frustrations. You know that means it's going to be a barn burner. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another riveting episode of Surviving Creativity. But just what pisses me off is when I see people on, on Twitter being like, net neutrality is going to die, and we need to do something about it. And guys, I'm so concerned. And it's like, shut up. We know you're just, you're, we get it. You're 
you care, and now everyone <laughs> loves you more because you care. It's funny. I I actually think that maybe what you're suffering from, Scott, is is like uh, where the where you're getting too. I can't think of the term, but where you're getting too much of something, like you're just getting bombarded with it. And uh, the what we call it in marketing is the message versus the noise. So there's so much noise, particularly because guys like us spend a lot of time on Twitter. There's so much noise on Twitter that the message is getting lost. I think that that happened with with the Comixology Apple thing. Mm-hmm. There was so much noise, and people were just saying just ridiculous, uh, ill-informed, and doing no research whatsoever. Please think before you link. Please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, you're, you're fighting a losing there, man. All I you got to do is look at Facebook on. and see that people have no idea what they're linking to. They're so, linking to shit that's made up. So frustrating. But like, you know, do your research. Don't get me started about Heidi McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Heidi's a nice person, but I, her reporting drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> you might as well bring it up now that you started it. She posted this story that was, I got to go, I got to, I got to go look it up. But anyway, she, so, she runs The Beat, which is a comic. Heidi McDonald runs a thing called website. The Comics Beat. Um, anyway, the story was, <laughs> I got to find it. It's so great. It drives me. I mean, she might have taken it. I would pray. I would hope she I, took it down. I hope that she took it down, but um, this, more than likely she did not. Because it's, anyway. it's good clicks. Gotta get them clicks. Oh, this, man, I'm completely out of No, this, the story. I, oh, oh, it's the I'm best. I'm hanging on tenterhooks over it here. It was, um, basically it was this story, and it was like, the headline was, child attending a brony con is enticed into a hotel room to be molested. <gasps> oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Is, am I right? Is that is that it? Uh, let me see. I hope she pulled it down. I'm looking to see if it's there. I don't see it. Uh, I'm just flipping when through. When cons go bad to catch a brony predator update. Yep. Oh, Where? Where'd you, put, where'd you find this? When cons go I bad. I just put uh, uh, child and brony into the search at the top of the beat. Oh, okay, God. hold on. Child, <laughs> Okay, brony. no, it, it says... It's got, you know, the uh, the, the little mite. Yeah, here it is. There. When it cons with, go bad to catch a brony predator. Every possible way. And then there's an update that says, well, now it seems that the original count was made up. And then there's an update to the update. And uh, then does she have the rest of the story? Or, or did she, in fact, take it No, down? but okay. So, like, it was basically it was saying that. She took the story down, apparently. Yeah, and she okay. she does say that'll learn me to to wade into Tumblr unarmed. My investigation anyway, took me to subreddits the, and Burnley friendly areas. She's basically saying I screwed up, <laughs> which she did. She didn't screw up. It'd be uh, whatever that would be. <laughs> I, she screwed up, guys. I screwed up. You think? Oops. Um, oops. I, when I made when I just posted a story that was made up, it turned out to be made up. I really I goofed. A goof. You know, it was are, a goof and a spoof. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there are some real basic tenets of journalism, like getting corroborating so, stories and stuff like that, that are completely lost. But, so basically, it was like there was some predatory thing happening to a kid at a BronyCon. Mm-hmm. So this whole fucking story about it. And then... Oh, and it was awful. She, like, this and then she was says, pursuing this little girl and trying to get her into a hotel room. It was really terrible. And the kind of thing oh. that you read and go, oh, God... Oh, God, no. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then the update says, um, "Hey, it seems that that original account was made up, um, and it, uh, that teach, teaches me to go to Tumblr." But the story stayed. Yeah. And the point of her story, the thesis is that there shouldn't be a convention that doesn't take seriously reports of abuse and possible child molestation because there's so many of those out there. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've approached one of the con promoters I know and said, what are your policy on child molestation at your con? And they said, "Uh fuck you, Scott. We don't have a policy on that. Fuck kids to your heart's content at my show. We're kind of up on the air in that. We've got a committee formed. and uh, Yeah, we we've got it. a panel on Sunday about fucking kids. You should check it out. <laughs> Nothing never happens. Never happens. And then someone will say, well, Scott, though, but, you know, harassment policies are very important. And, they are, and, and this is a real issue. And, okay, yeah, that's a real issue. But guess what is not a real issue? The made-up child that was yeah. made-up molested at this made-up con. Well, and then and then it goes on to say, I was often surprised that anime and manga cons do not become predator magnets. I mean, it, what she's trying to say is they do, they, they do, this, and they this, are. <laughs> this is going to become a story sooner or later. I was just out front on it. This time, <laughs> yeah, it was wrong. she says, this time it'll be right. Uh, I will. That being said, I will say this: if a con attracts that it attracts children, does not make it clear that the report of abuse and possible crimes will will be taken seriously. That con should be fucking burned to the ground and the ashes mixed with salt well god damn it heidi you know what you're right and it was a good thing what you did sending him to the cornfield it was a good thing you made this story up out of whole cloth as a wonderful cautionary tale like a fable from the fucking bible and now we've all learned an important lesson god bless you how do i give you my ad dollars and my clicks it'd be like it would be like if she said she just posted a story and said guys we gotta stop these comics that promote child molestation and then what comics? Well, I mean, if it happened, that would be really bad. <laughs> you know, so let me tell you a story. The first time I went to Akon, which is the big anime convention in Dallas, uh-huh. um, I had a friend who was super into anime. He was super into all of it. He wanted to go to the panels. He wanted to sit in the rooms and watch shit be dubbed. You know, because like at the time it was called Japanimation. <laughs> And not anime. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And, you know, it was really hard to get dubs. And so these conventions were great because you could go see a, an English subtitled version of an anime that you would never be able to see otherwise, right. you know, and then meet people of like-minded individuality and stuff. And then they they started to become more popular. And then I'd been to a couple Acons and, you know... For me, it's you walk in, you pick up the manga that you want, you see the, you pick up the anime you want, I'm done. Yeah. I certainly was interested in the cosplaying or going to all the panels. And so one day I wanted to go, and my friend said, yeah, let's go together. I'm going to go up and spend a little bit of time, but not a lot. Um, so what ended up happening is I was done before he was. So I went to the lobby of the hotel, and I just basically sat there and read manga for about an hour until he was finished. And I ended up sitting next to a mom, a mom that had brought her kid to the show. And we talked for a good portion of the hour about the people dressing up and how she said that she really liked the show because for some reason, um, the fact that in Japan, there's a whole different culture to gender and sexuality and all this stuff. And it's so 
different and so non-judgmental in an American culture kind of way that her kid can express himself a little bit better. He can wear the things he wants to wear and not be judged. He can have the feelings he wants to have and not be judged. And I said, yeah, that really is pretty awesome about it. Mm-hmm. And and she said, some of it I don't really understand, and some of it is still a little confusing to me, but I understand there's a cultural divide there. And while the kids have really studied it and understand it, to me as an outsider, it seems a little weird, but I trust my boy and I trust, and he's teaching me and we're sitting there as we're having this discussion about how anime is kind of enlightening everyone. And there's a guy in a Hawaiian shirt, a fedora, straw fedora, and a luchador mask walking the lobby taking pictures. And every time he passes us by, the conversation stops. And at one point I finally said... Does that guy creeping you out? And she's like, yeah, he is. I'm glad you said something. Because, you know, we had just got this done discussing how we don't, we're not going to, no one judges here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then here comes this guy, sweaty fucking hairy guy <laughs> in a luchador mask, you know, with the mouth all wet because he's breathing through that slit. <laughs> snapping photos of with an SLR of cosplayers. And he, she said... Um, is it me, or is he only taking pictures of very young girls? And I said, I don't know. Let's watch. Huh. So if a guy walked by in a cosplay, nothing. If an adult woman, super hot adult woman, walked by dressed up as some anime girl, nothing. But the minute a little kid, little girl oh, kid, no. he gets a picture. And on the third picture, she goes, I'm doing something. I said, I'm way ahead of you. So I went to the checkout or the check-in uh the check-in desk and i said hey, we got a problem here i think this guy's a little creepy and he's taking pictures of just girls and this mom and i are watching and we're very concerned and so she said oh yeah we've been watching him it's already taken care of so this guy comes over and says to him why are you here are you a guest of the hotel no i'm at the con can i see your badge please and then he goes oh i don't have a badge and they go you gotta leave you can't be here yeah. you can't just walk around here and take pictures and so um, what he did was he left and then he came back and he was taking pictures again and he had a badge. <laughs> so we went upstairs and he bought a badge so we could keep oh, taking pictures. Man. And so we went over and said, hey, he went and bought a badge. And the guy goes, yeah, we know. We've already called the police. And the police came and said, <laughs> hey, buddy, if you want to go to the con, go to the con. If you're a guest of the hotel, you can sit in the lobby, but you can't wear a fucking creepy mask and, and take pictures. And it was done. And I didn't, there was no Twitter, so there wasn't tweeting about it. But like in this day and age, if that had happened, this would have been reported as, these conventions have to do something. (laughs) They gave him a badge. So, you know, and it's like, what are we going to, you know, I mean. I think, I think your story is actually, uh, it's a great story that people should take to heart because it's not just, and it's not that conventions shouldn't do something, but. I think that the, but these things are already in pl- People need to do something. Is somebody being creepy? Yeah. Then go to go to the convention. Go to an authority figure well, and yeah. say, "Hey, okay. that guy's a creeper." But see, the thing is, today what would have happened is someone would have gone to Twitter and say, "There's a guy around here taking creepy pictures, and this fucking show needs a better harassment policy." <laughs> Without anybody well, even you. going to anyone, put your from fucking the show phone like, down and save these girls. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not about. It's not about. Um, it's not about helping the little girls not get pictures taken of them, and it's not getting the creep out of the convention center. It's about being famous online because you have taken a stand. Yes. Yeah. You just 
put your finger right on it. And all you have to do is go up to the to the check uh, check in desk and tell the concierge. We got a gimp issue in the lobby, <laughs> and they'll do something about it because there is no hotel or convention that has a pro harassment policy. They're well, all against it. Telling. Everyone's against it, guys. It's very telling that when you went up there, you finally steeled your courage to go up there and get involved. And it turned out that they were they all the, the other you know they were already uh, uh, aware of it. In other words, that it wasn't a weird thing for you to go up. And mention this, other people had yeah, and it could it too, have, and it, and it was justifiably strange. Look, it could have been the other way around, man. People could have said, oh, I don't want to get involved, or maybe the hotel was busy that day and they didn't see it. But I guarantee you, the minute I went up and said, hey, man, we got a problem here, they're not going to go, um, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to do anything. Well, you know, yeah. we, I, because it's it's the real world. It's not a Dothraki wedding. <laughs> it's not like, oh, it's not Akon unless three girls get molested, buddy. Sorry. I think come get me when it's an issue. Of course, it's Akon. <laughs> I think though that, that <laughs> what you're saying, Scott, is important when it comes to the conventions and this stuff too. I think that people need to hear a story like this, and they need to uh, they need to take action. And and I don't. I'm with you. I don't mean go to Twitter. I mean go. We know a lot of people that run these conventions. They're good people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they would absolutely not want this kind of shit to go down at their convention, but. They're also running a convention where there's 65,000 people walking around and they have a staff of like a few hundred. So you Right, well see, it's just you like you got to go the, tell them. Yeah. They're not fucking omnipotent. Like they're not omnipresent. You have to go say something. You can't just go on Twitter and make a stink. The con- the the story about the the lady that was on the panel and the guy was making sexist remarks to her. Mm-hmm. I'm not remembering the names or the details, but it was a convention. Recently. Oh, I'm clouding up on that too. I'll see if I can find it while you're uh, launching. And they were discussing things, and the and some some guy in the panel kept making sexist remarks at her, and she didn't know what to do. She didn't want to be the person that was like, "Hey, I'm offended. That's sexist. You know, you're being really offensive. It's that's really. I feel like I'm being harassed up here. Who is the moderator? Right. And her husband was in the audience. That's right? the one. Yeah. So like, I can. That's a little more subtle, right? Everyone's laughing, and maybe someone in the yeah, audience that's... is like, "That was that was not cool." But she seems okay with it, so I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Well, you can't blame. You can kind of blame the audience, I guess. Like maybe someone in the audience says, "Hey, that was not cool." But it takes a lot to go up to the mic and say, "Hey, man, stop harassing her. I don't like it." Especially if she seems like she's okay with it. Mm-hmm. But you can't blame the sh- the show promoter, who probably didn't even know what happened until it was reported. Right. And you can't. But you like, can't blame the woman who was receiving it. I in that scenario, I, I certainly I can't because I blame the, I blame the fucking moderator because that's to me that's the moderator the moderator if there was a moderator for that panel should have said something and and this is the old-fashioned guy in me but the husband should have fucking done something like okay look i as by the way that was was that if i say scott lobdell yeah scott lobdell was the person that said it and and he came out and 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 outed himself and said geez you know what i i i had no idea that saying nice tits was offensive and it was a bad thing to do yeah Yeah, but like okay so and 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 again it's one of those things where and i've been in situations like this too well no i have not i feel like i've been in a similar situation where you know i've told you the story about my quote friend that dropped Mm -hmm. me off at a park and told me to go run Mm-hmm. And you know, because he was not ha- he was ashamed that I was heavy. I guess he had a problem with my weight, and I'm visiting him, and he 
drops me off at a park and says, run some laps. It'll be good for you. Fucking asshole. (laughs) I know you hate the story. I don't like this. But the thing is, I ran the laps. (laughs) Like, I didn't immediately go, um, okay, yeah, drop me off. Boop, boop, boop. Hello, taxi, come get me. I'm going, you know, which is what I would do now. At the time, I was in a place where it's like, this guy's kind of a famous comic book guy, and I'm going to be doing business with him, right. and maybe he's, you know, and then and then you get into your own fucking issues of like, God damn it, I am a fat ass, and look, I'm such a fat guy that my friends are embarrassed by me, and and then you run the laps in your jeans and your layers, and you're running laps <laughs> around a park going, um, this is really embarrassing, but I you know, I've done this to myself. Now I look back on it now and I'm like, why the fuck did I? So no, I don't blame her for not saying something on the well, panel. Especially that in day. front of a bunch of people. And yeah. And you're in front of a bunch of people, but like her husband was, knows her like yeah. later on, maybe her husband, Mar- Mari Naomi, right? It might've mm-hmm. been. I think so. Yeah. I think that later I would have contacted Lobdell. It once, well, maybe my wife would tell me not to also, but anyway, the thing is like there, I don't know. I guess there's no easy answer. The easy answer is maybe Scott Lobdell could not be such a fucking dick. That's the easy <laughs> I mean, that's answer. Probably the best. The, answer. the <laughs> easiest <laughs> answer is maybe Lobdell should figure out that saying, "Hey, nice tits, honey," is not. That's not what he said, but you know what I mean. Like right. the easy answer is don't fucking harass women. Don't take pictures of. And uh, you know what's funny, man, is I think you saying that is a big step forward in this stuff. I, I know that sounds weird, but I I am of the personal opinion that. The way to stop this kind of shit, and we do a lot of conventions, and I will preface this by saying, guys like us do a lot of shows. I mean, a lot, where to the point where every couple of weeks you're at another, you're in another city, at another show. You have to say something. People have to say. Mm-hmm. You have to. And, and Brad, this is what we were talking about earlier, dude. There's ways to be positive, yeah, proactive yeah. about this stuff. There's ways to go up to somebody and pull them aside and go like, "Hey, man, that's not okay." You know, you don't have to make a scene about it or whatever, because nine times out of ten, if you just pull somebody aside and be like, you know, that thing you just did, that's really fucked up. And you should probably go up to that person and apologize. Yeah, and I and I know that as a as a person who's frequently sticking his foot in his mouth, I know I would appreciate it if someone did that no, to I'm me. No, I'm the same way. I, I have I have rules with people. Anybody who's worked with me knows the Angela Lansbury rule, which is uh if if there's ever a topic of conversation or something happens and and for whatever reason doesn't matter we could be talking about pumpkin pie doesn't matter what it is if you want the subject changed or you're uncomfortable all you have to say is Angela Lansbury and the rule is everybody has to change topic conversation dropped period for no questions asked just yeah we're kind of like a like a social safety yeah I mean and anyone who's worked with me knows the Angela Lansbury rule and and it's it sounds so ridiculous. But it's abided by, like, mm-hmm. and making it kind of funny like that and kind of ridiculous makes it easier to do. Well, it goes, and then there's levels too, right? Because there's there's the guy in every group that has the that. Well, that's just Joe being Joe. You know, there's that guy, and then there's the. I work at a company, and I happen to know one of the bosses is a fucking lech. You know, mm-hmm. but you've got to. It's it's what I'm saying is, what has to change is. We have to start calling these people on this shit, and, and not publicly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that out there right now. I'm no, I don't mean I, publicly. I think that's happening a little too much now, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't publicly nail, but especially public figures sometimes. But if you can, if you can just grab somebody and pull them aside, 
And, okay, and, and but for, yes, and forego that and you don't need even, to have your Dixie Carter moment. You don't even have yeah, to know them, man. Because and they yeah. and you may pull them aside and say, "Hey, that was a dick move," and they may say, "You know what? Fuck you, buddy." But you said it to them, and they walk away, mm-hmm. and that seed is planted in their head, and they go, "Uh, oh." Well, I'm telling you right now that that all of these things that are going public, right? When you whoever it is, Scott Lubdell, like, look, that was a while ago I, too. I know I'm connected to a lot of people on Twitter. I read a lot of people on Facebook too. I see, I get, I get a good sense of, of kind of behind the scenes stuff just by the people that I follow. And when this went up, the consensus was, Oh, Scott Lubdell said something sexist. No shit. Is it, is it an, a day ending in a, why, <laughs> you know? So if that's the case, fuck all of you. Like, so if 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 um, I allegedly if allegedly Scott Lobdell has been a sexist dick for twenty years, you're kind of culpable now that it's gone public. Now you don't get mm. you don't get to say that's Scott being Scott. Yeah, you well yeah Scott's a, a, well I mean and maybe you did maybe you did say something but like if it's been a problem this whole time and listen believe me I know from firsthand experience you know sometimes you just gotta distance yourself i mean uh, or say something but um it's not it's not like it's not like everything's an episode of blossom where you go hey you know you're being sexist and they go i was oh my god <laughs> and then the music swells i guess we all learn an important lesson and they're not sexist anymore uh, and it's one of those you know, things too where people aren't one thing like this this does not make scott lobdell a lecherous fuck i don't know whether i don't know him i don't know whether he is or not but <laughs> you know, people can change. It's not, yeah. <laughs> they, but they need to be made aware of things. So yeah, they need and, to be made and, aware. and I think the underline there is in a non-confrontational way. You know, you, you'd be surprised how much more you can get done if you just come up and really politely say, you know, just not for nothing. I love the Philadelphia phrasing, uh, not for nothing. You know, not for nothing. But you know, a lot of the remarks you made there you probably weren't that well thought out. Uh, I, I I use Matt Inman as a perfect example, mm-hmm. the guy that does the oatmeal. Matt Inman um, raised all that money on Kickstarter. Yeah, for the what was it like? Fuck cancer and save bears, right? Yeah, what was that? I don't know what you're. Ta- I don't even know what you're talking about. The guy that does the oatmeal, right? God, I don't. I gotta remember what it was. Um, oh, I remember what it was. Okay, so there was a website stealing his comics. Right. When he asked them to take it down, they said, "Oh, we're gonna sue you for this for asking us to take it." Mm-hmm. So he did a thing called Operation Bear Love Good Cancer Bad, and he wrote he raised to pay for on Indiegogo. What was it? He set up a fundraiser on Indiegogo. To get the twenty thousand dollars, the lawyer was demanding, and he raised over like a hundred eighty thousand, and he gave all of it to, I guess, promote. I don't know. Anyway, it made him like a darling. Mm-hmm. Okay, then he raised money to make the Nikola Tesla Museum. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. So first, someone was stealing his content, threatened to sue him for complaining, and he raised a bunch of money, and. 
help people out to bring and brought awareness. Then he fucking made a Nikola Tesla museum happen. And everyone's like, this guy's the best thing ever. He's he's all things to all men. Wheaton was like, oh, Matt Inman just is the fucking greatest ever because of Nikola Tesla. And then he did a strip in the oatmeal where he said that, um, you know, you want the internet to refresh so bad you start raping your F5 key. And it was like, he's a rapist. <laughs> and everyone that loved him very publicly um, <laughs> the last couple of months over all the other stuff went... <laughs> you know, Wheaton had no comment, and uh, you know because the fucker made a rape joke, and now yeah. he now because he was first he was the cool guy, now he's the rapist. Yeah. He is one thing now, and and you only be one thing, and you're the rapist now because he made a rape joke, and now and then he now he's a Rubin nominee. So, <laughs> I mean, but but the thing is, during all of that, like during the things people were excited about. Matt Edmond had his good and his bad things about him. And then when he made a mistake, he still had the same good and bad things about him. Yeah. But the internet wants to kind of take you and make you one it's thing. It's easier to make somebody one thing. It's, it's, it's an easier soundbite. In, yeah. in a world of 140 characters, it's easier to say X is Y and, yeah. and just be done with it. Yeah. Well, <sighs> well, we, we, we solved the, God, we solved all the world's problems today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that I picked up the Angela Lansbury rule, although now I got to apologize to you, Corey, because we were having that conversation about women that we, you know, we fantasized about, and and I just thought you were adding to your list, and, and now it makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I thought you were into some really weird shit. You thought I was just rather, well, first of all, Angela Lansbury <laughs> was a good-looking lady, yeah, she was. Bedknobs and broomsticks, Angela and, Lansbury. Oh, the, she, the court jester. She aged uh, let's She aged very she well. She was also a darn handsome woman in the Manchurian canon. Right? She has aged yes. gracefully like nobody's business. Uh, I mean, she's no she's no Dame Judy Dench. But, <laughs> but you mean Helen is. Mirren. Oh, yeah. Helen Mirren's on that list. Why are all these women British? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think by the Manchurian candidate... She's a little grandma-ish, Angela oh, Lansbury. She was still holding up good. I, Helen, I think Helen Mirren is a good-looking woman even still. I I think Angela Lansbury is a handsome lady. How do you not? Really? Now? She's 100 and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Helen Mirren is in her 70s. I still think she's a pretty good-looking lady. Yes, she is. Angela yes, she Lansbury. Is. <laughs> the last time I saw her on the screen was in Mr. Popper's Penguins, the Jim Carrey uh, vehicle, and she had aged, indeed. Uh, she's. I'm not. She's, look, people get older. Here, I'm going to send you. I'm gonna <laughs> send if you look you up Angela, picture. if you look up Angela Lansbury and you look at her in her 20s and her 30s, she's a very good-looking lady. Well, you look at me in my. 20s and I was a good looking guy. Yes. Good looking lady. Okay, hold on a second. This is one this is not what I'm saying. Everyone is better looking when they're younger, men and women. What I'm oh. saying is some men and women get better looking as they age and some men and women look good and attractive even when they're older. And yes. what you were saying was that Angela Lansbury is still good looking and I'm saying I disagree. <laughs> And then you said Dame Judy Dench. Yeah. 
who's not a good-looking lady. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I don't know. She didn't do it for me. Hold on. It sounded like I was watching Philomena and going, oh, yeah. <laughs> but when I watch Red there's, there's, and Helen... I just sent you a pic of both Dame Judy and uh, Angela Lansbury. Come on. Come on. Yeah, Judy Dench is still pretty good looking. See? All right, that's a good picture. Well, I mean, it's easy to find a good photo of somebody. Angela Lansbury does not that does not look good. She looks like I'm sorry. Listen, I just want I, I it, <laughs> I'm just happy that we could end up this very thoughtful commentary <laughs> on peoples of sexism by talking about which 70-year-old women <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to say something to us and stop this. Oh, all right. Well, we're trying. <laughs> I am perfectly happy now talking about Bond men. Oh, well, listen. Roger uh, Moore was. Oh, God really? damn it, Brad. Roger Moore, Roger Moore is the well, weirdest. You know what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that. He was my Bond. I'm sorry. I'm talking about good lookingness. Oh. Uh, a young Roger Moore is not as good looking as like a young Brosnan. Eh, Brosnan was not my thing. I don't know, man. He was my thing. Really? I wanted to be Remington Steele, dude. <laughs> I, I a young no, Pierce I Brosnan. I'm just looking at pictures of Roger Moore from the 1970s. That was a good looking man. I think Connery was always weird looking, and I don't think Daniel Craig is a good looking guy, but he's rugged as shit, and he's when he comes out of that water in fucking Casino Royale, damn. He's <laughs> cut man. He's a cut man. <laughs> All right. Uh, and my wife and I get in arguments with this Angela all the time. Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. Angela <laughs> Lansbury. Well, listen, gentlemen, I have to go pick up kids, so we better bring this one in for a landing. Okay. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I hope we all survived the creativity of this episode. <laughs> we barely did. Yeah, barely. That's right. Listen, Bond man that never was, Tom Selleck. No. You're wrong. What, the Bond man? He should be. No. Should have been. Wow, why? What? Indiana Jones? Yeah, not Bond. No, Bond. He's not even British. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I just want I just want to kiss him. That's a hard sell. <laughs> I'm can I, can I just throw that out there? All right. <laughs> Quigley Down Under is yeah. a good movie. Oh, hold me, Quigley. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next week. Oh, I don't know who's going to... <laughs> We're never posting this. <laughs>been another fantastic week of surviving creativity thank you so much for joining us be sure to check us out on twitter at surviving show we're happy to take any of your questions and comments there or on our patreon page patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity go check it out if you like what you heard please consider becoming a patron special thanks this week to our producing level patrons john being a patron ain't no sin glenn always glad to have you around john and our other john the original john John, he ain't no Scrooge McDuff E. John John Duffy. We'll get it next week. Thank you so much. See you then. It's Surviving Creativity.